it's really easy to get lost in this business where you want to get into real estate, you want financial freedom, you want passive income, and then you end up going down little rabbit holes and go wholesale or rehab. So the lesson is long-term, hold for the long haul, keep the best, sell the rest. So I'm really good at finding deal flow. My superpower is on finding great deals that are not on the MLS. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. What's going on everyone and welcome to episode 252 of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today we have Gary Boomershine. Gary was a guest back on episode 138 and is a long-term real estate investor based in California. Gary started his career in the tech field but later transitioned into real estate after discovering what he really wanted in life. He is now the CEO of realestateinvestor.com, a site that takes over the grunt work of finding you deals. In this episode, Gary will teach us multiple ways to find great deals. He'll give us the exact formula that he used to acquire his most recent deals and how he creatively set them up so that they're going to be a win-win for all parties. So if you want to learn unconventional ways of finding great deals in a challenging market, then this episode is for you. And by the way, if you're a real estate investor, then you need to have a solid lender on your team. And if you're looking for a hard money loan, I can help. We do hard money loans nationwide at great rates and can close as fast as 10 to 14 days. So if you're looking for a hard money loan, you can reach me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. Let me know that you're a podcast listener and I'll give you a discount on our processing fees. And now onto the show. Gary, it's very great to have you back on. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, no, it's super great. And I know we've had some technical challenges because I'm up in the, uh, the mountains outside uh, kind of the foothills near Yosemite in California, which is where we relocated for the time being. And uh, hopefully the content today is, is really good and uh, everybody will be okay with some of the choppiness and the sound. <laughs> yeah, no, we're super excited for it. So Gary, why don't you give us a little bit of like background of you know, who you are, what you do for those who maybe haven't heard you back on episode 138. Yeah, would definitely do that and I'll make it quick. Um, been a long-term real estate investor, grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, grew up in Fremont, actually, my mom's still there. I'm trying to get her. She's 87. She's got a house that could probably sell, would be totally leveled for 2 million bucks in Fremont, which is, she, she bought it for like 60 grand years ago. Um, somebody from Google or Facebook probably bought and level it. But um, I lived in Danville, California, which is a kind of a nice area. And uh, given COVID and given the fact that real estate's been a seven-year cycle for a long, long time, we decided to liquidate, unload pretty much everything. We were going to leave California, but we ended up up in the mountains, not super high, but the California foothills. And we love it up here. It's super free and open. doesn't feel like uh, typical California as we're seeing it today. And uh, we're buying like crazy. So I got a lot to share with everybody around real estate. One thing I'll tell everybody is a lot of the metropolitan areas are really still ridiculous in terms of like being super hot, right? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, I know a lot of your followers are in California, but um, there's a lot of opportunity all over the country, a couple of counties outside of the metropolitan. And um, so I can just tell you like 
I've, I picked up three properties in the last couple of weeks, got them smoking deals, a couple of Airbnbs, a couple of creative ones. Um, one with owner financing, which is a, a lot of people don't even know what that is. So we can talk about that today where the seller is actually the bank. She's carrying back. I only put up 35,000 bucks and she's carrying back for 30 years at 2%. <laughs> it, it, and it's actually even better. But um, yeah, I've been in real estate a long time. I, I was a computer engineer, went to UC Davis, worked for you know well-funded uh, software startups. And I worked for Accenture. Anderson Consulting, which is the largest technology consulting firm in the world next to IBM. And, uh, you know, what I found is just like most of us, we want, I wanted financial freedom and I wanted a life outside of working 80 hour weeks and being a slave in the system using real estate as the vehicle. So I love real estate. Uh, it's a simple model. It's not that hard. I see a lot of people struggle and I love sharing after doing all this. I love sharing like, Hey, here's how to make it work. Keep it simple, stupid, turn it into a long-term, not a short-term opportunity. And there's lots of ways to make money and get financial freedom. I love talking long-term real estate. Even if you're wholesaling and you're doing a quick flip, that's okay. I love lending, by the way. We might talk a little bit about lending. If you have money, I, I do a ton of lending. I get great returns backed by real estate. And I'll also say I'm not a big stock market guy. Um, but to me, that's organized gambling on a, on a level that I don't understand. So I never seem to make really good money, but everybody else does. Now, as a tech guy, how did you get into real estate? Like what was your first, I guess, uh, foray into the field? My background may be a little unique. I grew up in a real estate family. So I have two generations from Stanford University. My dad was a industrial engineer MBA program. My grandfather was too. And I, I should have gone there, but that's a whole nother story. I went to UC Davis. My parents owned a real estate brokerage in the Oakland Hills, which was kind of a nice uh, area. And so we had a bunch of rental properties. So I literally got my real estate license when I was three weeks after turning 18. It wasn't by choice. It was kind of like, you know, growing up, I had a pretty uh, hardcore entrepreneurial family that's kind of like, this is what you do. <laughs> Probably a little bit like I am today. But I got my real estate license. I paid for college by working in the family business. But I really hated it, to be honest with you. I had no interest in real estate. Silicon Valley and the whole you know dot-com thing was taken off and being able to make riches. And so um, I, I've always been more math and analytics uh, kind of thinker brain type. So that's what I did. I went down the path and had really good mentors. And I'll share with one thing is I've always had good mentors in my life. And especially in real estate, you really want to have good coaches and good real estate mentors. Doesn't mean go buy 50 coaching programs, but it just means have somebody that is experienced and has more experience than you do. And and then let them show you the, the, the path. So don't reinvent the wheel. There's nothing to reinvent in this business. You want to follow something that works, make money at it, and then improve it. Don't try to do something you, unique. I found that everything has already been defined in real estate. So you want to find what works and then follow it. I'll, I'll, I'll add a couple of things without taking us too far off track. So I worked in the tech industry 
I was super hands-on and then I moved into the sales. I had a couple of mentors, gosh, Gary, you'd be really good at, um, you know, you're not, I'm not a guy that just sits behind a computer. I'm also really good, you know, jabbing the jab type of thing. And, um, so they said, you should get into sales and, uh, selling $505 million software. So that's kind of the direction I went, but I was working 80 to 90 hour weeks traveling all over the world. It was awesome, but I never, I never had a life. And, uh, we, my wife and I in 2004, so that's 17 years ago, we had a four-year-old daughter. We had a two-month-old daughter. We had a big mortgage and we basically had it, had enough. So we went cold Turkey into real estate back to our roots. And I don't recommend that to anybody. That's not a success formula of quitting your job and just going cold Turkey into real estate. Real estate is not, it's not a get rich quick scheme. If you do this right, it'll give you financial freedom, a passive income and build wealth. And it allows you to live the life because the most important commodity that I've found is not the money. It's really easy to chase unicorns and rainbows. I think we've all learned that. This is a long-term play. And a true real estate investor, according to Warren Buffett, somebody that has money, they buy a physical asset that's real estate and they hold it for the long haul. And then they take all the, the benefits that were given which is actually an acronym called IDEAL. And the reason I'm so passionate about this, Sean, is um, it's really easy to get lost in this business where you want to get into real estate, you want financial freedom, you want passive income, and then you end up going down little rabbit holes and go wholesale or rehab. So the lesson is long-term, hold for the long haul, uh, keep the best, sell the rest. So I'm really good at finding deal flow. So my secret, my superpower is on finding great deals. Okay. That are not on the MLS. That's my superpower. I do it through direct mail and that's what realestateinvestor.com is business. So we're really good at, you know, using leveraging other people to, to find the deals and buying them off market at a big discount. And, um, and so I like keep the best, sell the rest. And then the next thing I'll share is there's three buckets of money or strategy that everybody, whether you're brand new or whether you're a long-term investor, but there's three buckets. There's cash now, cash flow, and cash later. And you have to be focused on every deal on those three buckets. So cash now is you know do some work, make some money. So that's, that's wholesaling. So you get a property under contract, none of your own money and you flip it really fast. That that's a transaction. That's cash. Now that's a J O B that's a job. So I call that just over broke. And, and so cash flow is rental income. It's taking a spread. So this whole business is about a spread. It's <laughs> bringing income at one, one rate, pay expenses is another, and you get to keep the spread. And that can come from rental income. Uh, doesn't matter whether it's single family storage or anything uh, and lots of different strategies, but it's cash flow and then also lending. So the velocity of your money. So instead of putting your money in the bank account and trying to have $10 million, you, you get velocity by putting it right back out. 
So, and then cash later. So cash later is long-term. That's how you become super rich. Okay. So passive income is how you become wealthy. I'll describe that in a minute. Long-term cash later is really how you build your long-term family wealth and legacy wealth. And that's typically from inflation or appreciation, the value of the property going up over time and also by uh, equity buildup. And that's usually you have a renter paying the mortgage down or, or just continuing to pay the mortgage down. So you're thinking of all those three things. And I see a lot of real estate investors. They're not really true real estate investors. They're real estate quantities or real estate business opportunity seekers or real estate business owners. And so they're really focused on one bucket, but you want to focus on all three. And I like when you buy property, you want to, some properties you'll flip really quick. That's cash now. That basically pays for your staff. It might be wholesaling or, or rehabbing. And then you want to ultimately acquire some rental properties and long-term holds. And um, so those are the three buckets. We can talk on as deep as you want for everybody, but I can be a little bit of the nutty professor, as you know, where people are like, oh my gosh, how do I get started? It's, you want to start somewhere. Exactly. I mean, I found that to be exactly true, you know, with wholesaling and flipping houses. Uh, I've done pretty well with them in the past, but you're only as good as your last project. So I flipped a house. I made a lot of money, but that's it. To find, yeah. to get more money, I have to find my next deal. My rental properties are okay. Like they give me some decent passive cash flow, enough to live off of, but not really enough to just fall out and buy whatever I want. But on the back end, the appreciation has been pretty crazy. Like I've held on to this property for five plus years now, and the market has boomed since you know 2016, 2017. Um, and all these properties that I financed with just 20% down have now doubled in price. So my effective return is like 500, 600%. It's pretty wild. Yeah. And a lot of people just are focused on their bank account. And, you know, you want to think of it as a, it's like super basic, but most people have never been in trained. It's an, you have a profit and loss statement. It's like, that's operations. So you have money coming in, money going out. And the difference is, you know, uh, profit or loss. And that's uh, easy to calculate, ideally with a bookkeeper, not you. And then you have a, an asset and liability sheet. So I'm always looking, I want my money. I'm not ever concerned really with the bank account piece. I want to make sure that I got enough money energy so I don't go broke. I'm always looking at how can I actually put, keep my money working for me. So I'll get some cash in and I'm lending it out. I'm getting a, and conservatively. So I'm getting interest and my downside is always worst case scenario. I'm buying a house or getting a house, you know, for pennies on the dollar if I'm lending and then I'm acquiring. So I'm not a high volume guy. And I think a lot of people out there, it's like they go to a seminar and they get excited. This guy over here got a hundred deals this year. This guy got 200. So it's really easy to get lost on beating your chest. I call that ego. You want quality over quantity. So, you know, like for instance, I'll give you, I picked up three properties. Uh, we unloaded almost everything because of the, the, the place in the market. I'm, I'm probably a conservative, but I picked up three properties 
this last uh, three weeks. Closed, actually one closed today. Uh, one closed on Thursday, and then I closed another one a couple weeks ago. So, you know, everyone's like, oh my gosh, Gary Boomershine, you must do two, four, 500 deals a year. I'm like, no, I'm actually very specific. Why? Because I'm looking for my time. My time, I want to be able to hang out with my kids, do what I want, not work very hard. So I picked up one property. I bought it on the MLS. Totally turnkey, mostly turnkey. I wanted to get my kids involved because the family economy with COVID right now is a big topic for me. A lot of people, it's like, you know, people, futures of college and everything else are a little questionable. So um, I got the family involved and it, we're turning this property into an Airbnb. So picked up a property, picked it up for 505. Uh, it'll give me about an 8% cash on cash return as an Airbnb conservatively. And the goal will be no work. So, you know, we basically hire other people. My kids are involved, but my daughter who's 22 will ultimately kind of be the property manager. And I've got each of the kids, my 17 year old is sort of writing the description and she's learning photography and social media. So I have her doing social media and taking pictures of the property and she, she's writing up uh, the description. And the older one is um, doing some of the management of like the crew that's doing the painting and the new floor coverings. That's one property. I picked up another one for about 50 cents on the dollar. Uh, closed it last week. I bought it because it had a bad, a, a bad tenant. So they had a tenant that wasn't paying for like a year. So I picked it up for 145 grand. I could probably turn it tomorrow for maybe 200 as a quick flip, maybe even more. So I drove over, right? The reason I'm kind of like mobile right now is I actually drove up to the property. I met the tenant. So I'm doing an eviction. I just literally hired an attorney for, I put a little retainer. It was a couple grand, local attorney up here. Um, they, they, and by the way, I did that. I did that before closing. So I called the attorney. I even got an additional $10,000 cash discount to buy the property to cover all my legal. And they, they filed a kind of a foreclosure process. Okay. So I drove up there today and a lady gets out of the car and totally hit it off with her. And, um, she's pregnant. She's the tenant. She's having twins. She literally cried because they're trying to like get the property vacant right now. They're very concerned with having it go onto their, their record. So I came over and said, Hey, I'd love to help. And you know, they got a lot of stuff and I'm like, I'd love to help you guys maybe pay a little bit for moving. And she goes, well, we were going to try to buy the property, but you know, didn't really work out. And, uh, she's like, my husband's working full time. And, uh, and I said, let me help. So we're going to probably put like five or 600 bucks extra to help them move and get the property out. And I can do good. Right. And still get a discount. So that's the second property. I'll probably, I probably will turn this one. It's probably too much work. So I'll probably make 45, 60 grand or something uh, really fast. And then the third one was where the seller is older She's 75. She owns the property free and clear. It's a beautiful property. Already has a renter in the property. 
it's already it's a renter that's been there for 13 years got a brand new roof perfect condition but the seller doesn't want the capital gain issue so i bought it owner financing i put 35,000 down in cash on a $325,000 purchase which was probably 30,000 below market at 2% interest for 30 years <laughs> So I'll probably running the math, I'll probably end up cash flowing at about a thousand bucks. So in this market, historically, I guess, yeah, for the past year or so, it's been very, very hard to find deals. What are you doing to find three deals? And all of them seem to be pretty good. One is you've got to pick the area. You got to be, you got to really know where you want to buy. A lot of it's focus. So we moved up to, uh, this is called Tuolumne County. That's uh, for, for people in the San Francisco Bay Area, it's about two hours from two, maybe two and a half to three hours from San Francisco, but it's directly east. They're putting in a new ski resort. That's why I like Airbnb uh, up here. And um, it's about half the price of the Bay Area. So we just started, met with, got connected with three local realtors. So I love working with realtors because they also have a Rolodex for you. So I've got realtors out there looking for good deals. Uh, they understand I'm looking for something under market, hard to find, but they are showing us stuff. And then we're getting really, we're, we're on slow and realtor.com and all the different sites. So we're getting kind of, you know, the stuff sent to us. Part of it is not that we're necessarily finding great deals, but we're actually knowing the market, right? If something has sat on the market for more than about 30 to 45 days, we'll probably make an offer on it. We'll give a lowball offer. A lot of people think the market's super hot, but if a property sat for 30 to 60 days, make a lowball offer. So we'll make a lot of lowball offers and, uh, you know, one out of 20, one out of 30 may turn out. But, you know, if you don't ask, you won't know. <laughs> I love direct mail. So if you know how to do it, meaning write a check to somebody else like realestateinvestor.com, that's a company I own because we do it. We've done over 90 million pieces of direct mail for people. Um, you know, you send out direct mail to the right list for somebody that's an expert doing it. And then you have a phone team that actually does all the hard work because there's a lot of, you got to talk to these sellers and, there's a lot of talking. So you, you trying to do that is brain, you can't do it. So you have to hire somebody. I have a large team that does it for all of us. And then out comes the ones that are possibly motivated. So buying two properties that were off market, okay, at a huge discount, we probably had 90 seller leads from the direct mail, okay? Of the 90, it's 45. We closed two deals. So about 45 leads usually produces about one deal. So of the 45, about 15 came in that were kind of interesting. And then I probably made four or five offers off of that and, and closed one. Okay. The other ones are still in process. Most of them are, and some of them might even refer out, like I'll get a, a I'll get a, a lead and I'll refer it to another realtor, maybe get a marketing fee or, you know, or build some rapport, um, which I've done up here. But 
That's so I really like doing direct mail. I like text messaging. So blasting out to a good list of phone numbers and maybe some cold calling. Um, now, what's really interesting, Sean, and everybody is direct mail in a market like San Francisco Bay Area, uh, Miami, Florida, um, Las Vegas, and Phoenix, Arizona. Very competitive. Uh, cost per deal is a lot higher. So you're going to send out a lot of mail to get a, a little result. I'm a couple of counties out of the metropolitan. So maybe three counties, you know, away. When I did direct mail, it was absolutely off the charts. I can't tell you how many sellers said they've never received direct mail in the 17 or 20 years that they've owned the property. I mean, that was very common. So here I am in California in a hot market, in a market that also nothing really sits for very long either. A lot of stuff that goes over asking, yet I do direct mail, direct to the seller that's not listed. And people are like, wow, I've never actually received any mail. So I, I've, I've got two properties right now that are closed off of the direct mail. I probably spend about 6,000 bucks, been doing it for not very long, about three and a half, four months. And I probably have another pipeline of probably two or three more that I'll, I'll close on in the next two to three months off of the same direct mail without sending out another piece. Does that make sense? Because I have a pipeline. I have, I have a deal that's on a golf course. It's two brothers. They're older. They're probably in their late 70s. Um, own the house free and clear. One brother loves the house, wants to keep it. The other brother wants to sell it and retire. He's 78. So I'll probably end up buying that one. It's a beautiful property. It's like literally right on the golf course. It'll be an amazing Airbnb property. And I'll probably buy it 100 to 120,000 below market. But the problem, when you're buying properties off market, one little trick or technique is you're kind of buying problems. You're not necessarily in, 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 to get a discount. So when I'm doing direct mail, I'm usually finding some problem that the seller has, and I'm exchanging that for a good price, if that makes sense. Right? Bad tenant. A lot of sellers, older sellers, they don't want to pay capital gains. So I get owner financing. Um, maybe the property needs a lot of work. I'm looking at one right now. It's in an area called Twainheart. Absolutely perfect house, but needs a lot of work. So I'll probably get that at 50 cents on the dollar. And I'll, I'll quick flip that. I don't really like doing a lot of rehab. So I'll just you know turn that and, and do more marketing and take a small profit. Is that how you got seller financing on the other deal? She just didn't want to pay capital gains taxes? Yeah, it's, it's a, you know, she owns a property. It's worth about 350. If she were to sell it, she's going to pay what? 24%, 25% she wants the income, but she doesn't want to pay the taxes. And so if you buy it with owner financing, she only, it's called an incomplete sale or an installment sale, according to the IRS regulations. And so she only has to pay capital gains on the money that I pay her. So in her situation, she's 75 and she's got, she's a guardian for a great granddaughter. So imagine being 75 and having a 12 month old or actually an 18 month old. And she's the guardian. And so her situation is she, she wants to put all of her time, you know, in this little wonderful new little baby 
that she's caring for and she's older. And part of it was she doesn't want to pay capital gains. And then she wants the money to actually be there for her granddaughter, great granddaughter to take care of. And so I come in and nobody knows how to do that. Right. <laughs> no realtor. It's like everybody. It's like, Oh, put the property on the MLS, buy it with cash. So as a real estate investor, we can do amazing things that are a little creative. And what does that mean for me? It means I'm buying it at a, a discount. I don't have to get a bank loan. I'm getting 2% interest. You know, I'll cash flow the property. Uh, for everybody, if you're a math kind of person, I put 35 down, okay? She's owner financing it. I even got discounted uh, payments. So the first year I'm getting a, actually the first three years, I'm only paying 800 a month. Okay. A normal amortized loan would be about 1100. So 800 a month. And I'll probably end up, uh, you know, I'm going to do a little rehab on this, this house. This is a little bit of a story, but I won't go into it, but the market rent on this property is probably 22 to 2300 a month. So I pay 800. I collect 2200 plus, you know, minus my cost. You know, I don't even have to have a napkin and I can say I'm going to make at least 1000 to 1100 a month, right? Yep. So I'm making 1100 a month plus I'm paying down the principal on that mortgage and no bank financing. So if you run the math, that's like a 30 to 40%, you know, cash on cash return, annualized cash on cash return on my money. 35 down you know, 1100 a month. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. And I guess that only comes about if you, I guess, know the strategies and you know how to talk to them and find yeah. out like what their needs are. Can you, can you go into it a little bit more? Like if she sold you the property, she could get section 121 and she could get 250K clear uh, and then pay taxes on the rest, right? In this case, how does it work if you're paying her like, what, 800 bucks a month for the year? That's like 10 grand a year. A little less than that. Yeah. So that's yeah. what, 25 years of no <laughs> taxes? I mean, what's the benefit? I don't get the benefit. She'll end up having on capital gains. It'll work out to about $6,000 that she'll have as capital gains. And then she'll have about $6,000 or so of ordinary income. Just like, you know, I'd, I'd give her a ordinary income. So, you know, at the end of the day, she's going to show $12,000 that she's going to pay lower taxes on than this big 250,000 gain. Now, the other thing is she has other income coming in. So by doing owner financing and getting less money coming in, you know, this year, her tax basis or her tax rate is going to stay low. So as soon as she, if I were to pay her the full amount, she's going to actually be in a, a much higher tax bracket. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. And, and also the other thing, the other thing is, you know, when you ask these, you know, I asked her, what is she going to do with the money? And she's really afraid. She doesn't want to put her money in the bank because a lot of people, they don't trust the bank right now. <laughs> All right. Older people that have been around a long time, they're concerned with the world problems of like putting their money in a bank. And um, so she likes the idea that it's backed by real estate. And so she's, she gets all the benefits of the ownership, except now she's the lender. It's like, she's like Wells Fargo. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it is really cool to be creative in these situations. Yeah. And again, you wouldn't find this 
probably not on the MLS, right? If, if they're on the MLS, they yeah. likely just want like a cash deal and be yeah. with it. I asked her, you know, a lot of people are like, how do you even have that conversation? Her name's Sharon. And I said, Sharon, tell me what you'd like. So she said, you know, I want to sell the property. I don't want to be a property owner. And then she was the one that even came to me with what she wanted. I mean, the price and the terms, she basically came to me. I, you know, I, I told her that I'd probably be buying the property maybe at about 280 or 290 all cash. So we ended up settling at 325 with owner financing. So she liked the idea of a higher purchase price and getting a long-term payout like an annuity at a higher price and then, you know, spreading her capital gains over a long time. She's 75. So, you know, she figures, okay, if she lives to 90, then when that money gets transferred to her great granddaughter, that's all tax free. Assuming that whoever's running the country doesn't change our capital gain taxes, which whoever's, whoever that is today is trying to change it. Right. Right. <laughs> And is there any limitations to like your exit strategy? Like, are you not allowed to pay her off before a certain amount of time? No, uh, that's a, that's a whole, I coach people and actually I'll share this in my book. I'll give it to everybody. I have a book that I'm coming out with. It's done. I'm just um, in the final publication. It's called the freedom code. It's everything I've ever learned. And I share a lot of this in the book um, and including lending and everything. So I'll give you guys the website, Sean, you can put it in the show notes, but, uh, if, if, if any of this resonates, I got a lot of free uh, tools and how to build a business that works for you and how to do direct marketing. It's like some of the stuff I love to share with everybody. Um, so, okay, this is advanced. I, I don't have a prepayment penalty, so I can pay off the property whenever I want to pay it off. Um, I have a couple of other little, things in the contract that's what's called substitution of collateral or cross collateralization that when i do owner financing um i put that in the contract substitution of collateral it does allow me that if i end up selling this property i can actually take the note and deed of trust and move it on to another property of equal or like kind um that's super important so I could sell her house. Let me give you an example. I could sell her house and let's say I still owe 200, let's say 300,000 just to round it up. I could then take the 300,000 and you know, put it in my primary residence and back by my primary residence or put it onto another property. So I could basically buy another property and, and take that note and move it over there. And so what she wants is she wants security. So uh, that's called a substitution of collateral. Cross-collateralization, without getting super technical, it allows me to maybe have two properties, you know, that the note and what I owe her is backed by two properties. So I might buy a piece of land and another property and um, I'm cross-collateralizing and backing them by both. Um, I do probably some things that are absolutely unique i uh, never heard anybody else doing them because it's like uh, I have a special vehicle that I've worked with an attorney that it's a seller financing uh, vehicle that allows me to do it. That's more efficient. 
so that actually I don't just have to be owning property. I can actually, the, the security can be in hard money loans. So I could sell her property, keep the notes, paying 2%, but then I can lend out the money into hard money and get 10% and take an 8% spread. And so I don't want to go too off the charts, but this is what happens when you're a creative real estate guy for decades. And yeah. I mean, I'm excited to read your book. I love it. As long as it's win-win, what I would say is, you know, Warren Buffett, he says, buy low, sell high. You want to follow all the local laws. And then the third thing is never lose investor money. There are three simple rules that Warren Buffett has. And I think those are really important. You know, you do it right, follow the laws and don't lose investor money. One of the things for me is if I, if the seller is financing a property, never lose the seller money. So I want to make sure she's really my customer. So it just, it means I'm borrowing free money, no bank financing, doesn't use my credit and I'm getting 2% interest. <laughs> Where can you get that? Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. So, I mean, Gary, we're super excited to read your book when it does come out. Um, we already have time. So if you like to share where people can find out more about you, where can they find that? Yeah. Let me give you the website and for everybody, um, go, you can go to realestateinvestor.com forward slash growth, G-R-O-W-T-H, realestateinvestor.com forward slash growth. That will put you on the list for getting my free book uh, that's coming out, The Freedom Code. I'll, I'll be also launching a new podcast around how to survive and thrive in this COVID world that is, I'm super excited about. It's, it's real estate is the vehicle, but it's going to be much bigger of a dialogue because a lot of people that are like-minded are struggling. They're struggling in terms of like, you know, how to build a family economy and what do we do around, you know, this massive inflation thing and how to, how to basically build your own banking system. Um, so that'll be all in there. And that's the freedom code. So yeah, realestateinvestor.com. If you are trying to find off-market deals, you can always check out realestateinvestor.com. We have software, a huge, large, you know, huge team of people overseas that are really awesome at uh, managing direct mail, your cold calling, your phone team at a fraction of the cost of you ever having to do it. Uh, we've you know, done a lot for a lot of people. Wonderful. Well, Gary, thank you again so much for coming on the show to share about you know, your tactics with creative uh, seller financing strategies as well as how to find great deals like the ones you just mentioned. And looking forward to having you back on the show sometime in the future. Yeah, for sure. And thank you and all your loyal listeners. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find the show notes and other episodes on our site, everythingrei.com slash podcast. If you live in the Bay Area, join our meetup group, where we meet up twice a month in San Jose at meetup.com slash everythingrei. And if you thought this was a great episode, let me know what your key takeaway was and share it with a friend who's interested in real estate investing. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It will only take a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day.